Kamar Jordan who had a breakout year. Are you a working for role. the Stamps here right now? Are you working for the Stamps? What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to The Waggle. James Sabalski, David Sanchez, your friends, Chez and Balls. And Chez, as always, The Waggle is brought to you by your friends and mine, Sport Clips. And don't forget, you can also style a profile just like one Mr. Sanchez and like me by visiting the nearest Sport Clips nearest you. And be sure to always search for Davis's go-to. And that's the Sport Clips MVP haircut experience. You know, Chez, massaging shampoos, hop steam towels, sports on TV. I'm talking football, hockey, basketball, baseball, sports people. Oh, and legendary haircuts. And did I mention sports? And if you like free, be sure to visit cfl.ca slash waggle to redeem yourself a free MVP haircut for first-time customers. Sport Clips. It's good to be a guy. Find a Sport Clips near you at sportclips.ca. Sanchez, keeping it 100 Hello, this week. Hello, sir. Keeping it 100. Keeping it 1 million. These, these <laughs> power rankings, I don't know if they're keeping them 100, though. There's somebody, somebody at .ca keeping it 67. Well, and that's and we kind of teased this last week that we thought we would uh, we'd throw this out there uh, and discuss what the uh, the CFL Nissan power rankings that are out and they uh, they threw some out here about a week or so ago and we thought well you know what why don't we go through ours so so why don't I run down what the current CFL Nissan power rankings and we can just jump right into this but Chez number one through number nine and we'll count them backwards. Uh, number nine, the Montreal Alouettes. Number eight, the BC Lions. Number seven, the Hamilton Ticats. Six, the Ottawa Red Blacks. Number five, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Number four, the Toronto Argonauts. Number three, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Two, the Edmonton Eskimos. And number one, topping the power rankings yet again, the Calgary Stampeders. So there they are of what the CFL Nissan Power Rankings. They're kind of done somewhat anonymously. I don't know if anybody actually puts their name on these, but it's our job to poke holes in it or at least debate them anyway, right? It's, it's done by, by a committee. There's several. <laughs> so everyone gets a vote. A lot of all the, all the people in the office who are on that side of things, uh, the writers, uh, the analysts, they get a, everybody gets a, a piece, a vote, and uh, I'm often in and a part of those as as well. And they are subjective, of course, uh, like like any rankings are subjective. I'm, and uh, most of those, a lot of those, I uh, have uh, similar rankings, but uh, there's a couple that uh, I have diff- I would have differently, and I'm sure you would have too. That's why they're rankings. We could it's all like, talk about it. What, like, what do you got, it, it, It's like bracketology, right? It's like March Madness bracketology, only from a CFL sort of style, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's exactly. Except for the teams don't play each other. No. And 
until the season. There's starts. no one paying money under the table to anybody, and then <laughs> well, saying they did it. Well, I uh, mean, there there have been some accusi- accusations of uh, uh, players being housed beyond payroll, but uh, you know, but not to the maybe not to the degree of uh, certain schools south of the border, though. I think, right? Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So why don't we d- dive right in? Um, uh, by the way, Dwayne Ford, uh, TSN football analyst, will drop by. A little later on, we'll talk a little offseason and look ahead to some of the top prospects uh, with the uh, combine looming at CFL week and the upcoming CFL draft as well. So nice to always catch up with Forty. Uh, he'll join us a little later on. But number nine for me, Chez, uh, I feel like this is kind of a consensus, but it actually this is in line with where the um, the power rankings are for the CFL ones, and that's the Montreal Alouettes. And for me, the Alouettes. Uh, they added a lot of veterans defensively that can make this team competitive again on the defensive side of the football. But I think for me, the big X factor is going to be Josh Freeman. Um, if he's legit, this could be a huge game changer in Montreal. And if he's not, well, it could be more the same that we've seen in La Belle Province for the last few years. I'm with you. There's a lot of things that need to be done. There was that team needs the biggest overhaul. We can't. Uh, you're not going to sugarcoat it. You need the biggest overhaul. I think their defense needs a facelift, uh, and we'll see what happens. They signed a lot of guys, so there'll be a lot, of, a lot of new faces there. I'm sure a lot of guys will come into camp and compete for jobs. And I, I think on the same, the same thing with the offense, offensive side of the ball. They're a little more stable there on the offensive side. I think they have two or three receivers that are that can be that are uh, known starters that I, that you know will produce and you have offensive interior of that offensive line is is as good as any uh, the running back Terrell Sutton who doesn't get enough love in this league people who play people who go against Terrell Sutton know what he brings he can do it all out of the backfield he's, he's a great blocker um, he, he runs tough between the tackles he Terrell Sutton is as, as as good as they come but he's been in Montreal on some bad teams over the last few years and so he doesn't get his due but uh Montreal is number nine for me too, bud. Okay, number eight uh, for me. I've got the Hamilton Tie Cats at number eight for me. Uh, I loved how they played down the stretch, but is it for real or is this simply fool's gold? They kept a lot of this team intact, and this is a team that was what zero and eight to start the year. Uh, much different down the stretch, but I've got the Tabbies at number eight because I want to see what's going on going forward with this team and. You know, their personnel, I still feel like there's a lot of things up in the air for Hamilton, too. Yep, I got Tabby's same place, number eight. I would I would have the Tabby's, and my reasoning is, is exactly what you said. I think I, there was, it was a nice turnaround, some of the things they were doing it towards the middle to the end of the season. That being said, it wasn't talked about very often. A lot of those games, teams were out of it. Teams weren't playing with, with, with full rosters. Teams had already clinched, and, and so I don't give – I wouldn't say a lot of those games. I would say several of those games. And uh, I still think talent-wise they're near the bottom. I think uh, Jeremiah Masoli is going to come back a year better. I do think there will be an improvement in quarterback play uh, because now Jeremiah has that whole camp to take all the reps to be the number one guy. I think you saw what he did with uh, with half the reps and what he was able to do, uh, you know, only being under in, in June system for – uh, a short period of time, so but I think he'll be a lot better. Also, here's a name to to remember: Jalen Saunders. Not uh, often spoke about. Jalen Saunders will be their number one receiver this year. You watch him. You watch really? the way he runs routes. Watch, watch the way he separates. The watch, watch the way he gets in and out of his routes. He's a handful. He'll be a number one receiver for that team this year. Jalen Saunders. 
Heard it here first. All right. Wow. Look at that. Okay. That's um, well. You know what? And you know what might make some sense because Speedy B's not getting any younger uh, and had a great turn back the clock in the second half of last season. Um, so you know when you look at some of their receivers, they they've certainly got up there. Luke Tasker as well. Um, you know they kept a lot of their own guys. Um, but is that the answer or is that the secret to success? Because we're coming up on almost 20 years since Hamilton last won a Grey Cup championship back in 1999. Number seven for me, Chez, I've got the BC Lions. And for me, I'm not quitting on Jonathan Jennings just yet. And it was at this time around a year ago that I saw him as an MOP candidate. Um, obviously, it was a much different story that actually was on the field in 2017, where at one point he lost a starting gig. Uh, let's see if the magic gets back this year. I think Joel Figueroa addresses that. I've said that for a few weeks now, but you know the Lions I've got at number seven as Ed Hervey uh, tries to really turn this into his own team here going forward. It's tough for me to to put an Ed Hervey team that low in the rankings. It, it's difficult, and a team that has Jonathan Jennings, who you know we we thought so yeah. highly of just less than two less than two years ago. But when I look at the roster and I look at what I saw last year, I have to put them in the same place. It's uh, And the, one of the biggest reasons that I do that as well, uh, and I would say this, if they were in the East, I would I would argue that they could be one of the top teams in the East, but because they're playing in the West, uh, they're, they're at the bottom of the West for me, which puts them at number seven in the total total rankings for me. Okay, so by the way, we should we should share with everybody, this is the first time that I'm hearing Davis's list and this is the first time he's hearing mine. We decided not to share our respective lists until we got to air. So I'm hearing what he's hearing for the first time and vice versa. Uh, so we're on the same page with 987. I feel like this I'm is also, where... I'm also on the road right now. So if anyone <laughs> yells at me because they don't like one of my picks, I may, I may circle back later. I'm not a robot. I may circle back and say, you know what, I actually... I'm going to shuffle this after further consideration on my shuffle. So feel free to, to at me, to, to tweet me. Let me know I'm an idiot. Let me know I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm willing to step back, take a look, revisit it, and tell you no, I am as genius as I know I am. Or I'll step back and say, wait a minute, some things need to be uh, altered here. So let's uh, let's put that one out there, too. I am sure. on the road right now. Okay. Well, the, the waggle at CFL.ca is where you can find us. The waggle at CFL.ca. This is where I feel like things are going to start getting a little, uh, go a little sideways or where you and I may agree to disagree. But number six, I've got the Ottawa Red Blacks at number six. And here's a team that was the Grey Cup champions and, 2016, Chez, essentially a 500 team, though, the last two years. Uh, I want to see that next step forward again, and I think that has to start with quarterback play from Trevor Harris, who, you know, great numbers in the regular season, but, you know, can he be that guy to win that big game in November? I got the Toronto Argonauts at number six. Woo! Uh, Yeah, I just don't – the Great Cup champions, I don't think – I didn't think they were talented last year. It is what it is. When you have, you know, the, the staff those guys that have, when you have Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you find ways to get it done, and that's by scheme, that's by building a building a great team as they as they used in in Argo terminology, brick by brick, and and they did that last year, and they proved me wrong, and they and they put together enough to win a Great Cup. The best team last year didn't win the Great Cup, 
and they might not have been in the top five teams in the league, but they won the Great Cup. They're the Great Cup champion, and so it is what it is. And I think when I look at the roster, playing simply, I feel the same way now. Ricky will be the starter. I would assume if he's, Ricky's, Ricky's back, he'll be the guy. He's he's earned that right. When you have Ricky at quarterback with his limited physical ability and his his uh, great football mind and football acumen, you know what you get with that. Uh, injuries are are uh, always at the forefront. If he gets hit at his age, there's a chance you put in you put in James Franklin, which was a great a great insurance policy, but he's still not that proven enough to where I put him above the Red Blacks and Trevor Harris and and uh, and a defense of Toronto with that back end. I just don't think has a ton of talent in it. The front seven is pretty good. Back end played very well. Uh, I think they're missing two or three pieces back there. Well, we are going to have a much different list as this thing continues to grow. Um, so number five, I've got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, I got the Bombers at five, and this is this was tough. I mean, I, I feel like the Bombers deserve a better fate because I love the depth, but this is a team that has to show me uh, when it matters most, and I think this is a put-up-or-shut-up sort of season for this team. And uh, let's keep in mind that I think your former teammate, Andrew Harris, can't keep being Andrew Harris forever. I mean, that window is getting smaller and smaller with what that guy does and the physicality that he uh, that he brings to the field and the, and the punishment that he takes uh, with the amount of times that he he catches balls or or gets takes handoffs from there. But I've got the Bombers at number five right now. I have the Ottawa Red Blacks at number five, Seaball, and uh, that's that's a team I think I think Lucius Perifor is a big pickup for them. Uh, I think. Uh, they got obviously they have the buds back. That's Sinopoli and Ellingson back. They got Deontay Spencer back. Those three alone with Trevor Harris, they're going to put points on the board. We'll see what happens with Noel Thorpe bringing his aggressive style up there uh, at the front seven. We'll see what uh, what he brings. He always brings a physical brand of football with him. I think that will change. I don't think it's going to change uh, much of what they do uh, per se. I think. But what I do think is the, the mentality. They're going to be they're going to be physical. They're going to get after you, and uh, that's going to be the way they play defense. So if you add that with a with an offense that can that can put up points, and I, I think differently about Trevor Harris than a lot do. You know, I, I don't I don't think a guy can put up numbers that Trevor Harris puts up uh, game in game out uh, year after year, and not be an upper echelon quarterback just because he doesn't he didn't win in the in the Eastern Final. That that's not. That to me, I still put him up there with some of the best guys uh, because he puts up. He doesn't choke in the playoffs. That's 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 not true. What he he does, he puts up big numbers in the playoffs. His teams just don't win. And yes, he turned the ball over more than he should have, but he put up big numbers. That that tells me he's still coming to play uh, when it counts, and he still plays at a high level when it counts. Uh, that's my take on the Ottawa Red Blacks. All right, so you've got all you've got all four West teams uh, in your top four based on uh, where we're sitting right now. Uh, so for me at number four, I've got the Calgary Stampeders at number four, which might surprise a lot of people. But for me, I look at this: uh, two straight losses in the Grey Cup. I have the Edmonton Eskimos as my number four Ooh. team. Uh, the Eskimos were number four. I don't think I don't think they improved a lot. I think that. Uh, but I do know they have Jason Moss, and and they have a pretty good quarterback over there, probably the best quarterback in the league, arguably. Uh, so I like I like to ask you that spot. They're playing in a tough division, and I don't think they got a whole lot better, especially on defense. 
Number three is where I've got Edmonton. And based on that, Mike Riley is back. Uh, they kept some key pieces despite losing some on the offensive side. Uh, but I think quarterback play is a big difference for them in Edmonton. So I've got Edmonton at number three. My number three squad, I'm still going. I'm going with Saskatchewan for number three. And the reason uh, Saskatchewan, I think, is the most talented team in the league, uh, I just still have to see more out of Zach Oleros for me to, to go ahead and put them higher uh, talent-wise. Like I said, talent-wise, number one team in the league offseason. I think they did uh, more to their team. Other than Winnipeg, I think they did the most in regards to uh, changing what the team looked like. Uh, I like what they do. I think that they have um, the highest ceiling uh, of all the squads. But until I see how Zach assimilates with Steve McAdoo and how that works, I can't put them any higher than three. We did this last year, and we were pretty much, by and large, on the same page. Uh, we are completely on different schedules uh, or can, different paths uh, from here on in. So number two, I've got Saskatchewan at number two. Uh, for me, it all comes down to quarterback play for the Riders, just as you alluded to. But there are playmakers all over on both sides of the ball. I mean, Carter, Roosevelt, Hughes, Jefferson, lots of talent. I think their time is now to strike. Uh, again, it comes down to quarterback play. Is it going to be Zach Caleros who can get back to being the Zach Caleros that we remember? Or maybe even Brandon Bridge, whose time might be now. But I got Saskatchewan as number two because of what you said, talent. Talent. Uh, James, uh, my number two team is a team that, uh, if I say Sats made the most moves in the offseason, uh, I, I would be lying. I'd have to say I have to put Winnipeg up there right with them. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, um, again, they did that in 2016. They made a ton of moves to overhaul that team. Uh, last year they didn't tinker as much, but this year um, they went out and, and, got some, and got some players and got some players that the big thing that I think they did, they gave themselves roster flexibility. And uh, so as you look at most teams and how they improved in the offseason, you – you look at the, at the players and the improvements in each position. I'm not sure if I saw a ton of that, but what I did see is I saw ro some roster flexibility, which really helps a guy like Paul Lapolice, uh, the things he's be, he'll be able to do along with Richie Hall. Uh, it's, a, it's a known fact. Chandler Fenner, another thing, getting Chandler Fenner on defense is huge. He's, uh, he's a guy who he can, do, he can do it all. He can play every position across the board or at least the inside positions. Um, he's physical. He'll bring he'll bring a, a real physical force to that defense, which you'll notice. And, and then, as, as I always say, they have the most physical run game in in the CFL with Andrew Harris and that offensive line. Uh, you're going to see Michael Shea this year have a bigger bigger role in that defense with that defense. Richie Hall is back, but Michael Shea is going to have a bigger role. Uh, he's a defensive guy. That defense has struggled at times last year, and I think Michael Shea really wants to put his fingerprint on that defense. I expect this. This is a big year for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and and uh, Matt Nichols is now uh, now uh, a number a number one guy, no question about it. He's he's a franchise quarterback. He's he's a guy who gets it done. Forget all that game management junk. He's proven it time and time again. Matt Matt Nichols gets it done. Darvin Adams has become uh, a number one receiver, which that was the question too. I still don't think they have as much talent outside. Uh, as the, a lot of most of the teams in the West, uh, almost all the teams in the West, but they, what they do have is a strong run game, a mauling offensive line, and a quarterback that is as accurate as as you you can find. So that's my reason. I really like the Bombers, and uh, but they're at number two. I love their depth, but 
they got to show me something in the pl- in the playoffs this year. But uh, but from an offseason standpoint, right now, yeah, okay. I mean, number two. Uh, so that brings us to number one. Uh, all right. So you had these guys way down. Uh, I've got them as my number one, and that is the defending Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts. And they've still got the best coach in the CFL. Uh, Ricky Ray is back, and their quarterback depth is even better with, you know, not only do you have Ricky Ray, but you brought in James Franklin as well. Uh, You've got a full season of James Wilder. They closed out 2017 going 7-2, including the playoffs. They've kept a lot of their core guys intact. And I'm going to go back to the Ric Flair analogy here, Chez. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Woo! And the Toronto Argonauts are still the team. Uh, that's why these lists are subjective, and that's why they're great. You had them at one, I had them at six, six or something. Yes. That's yeah. great. No, I mean, I, I understand that everything you said, I agree with. Uh, you know, in order, in order to beat the man, you got to beat the man. And, and I agree that there's not a better there's not a better coach in the league than Mark Tressman. There's, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta give, uh, you gotta give respect to a Hall of Fame quarterback and Ricky Ray. I don't put Ricky in in the upper echelon of my quarterbacks, and it, and it's simply because uh, he's he he can't do the things he used to do, and he still put up huge numbers. So, uh, you know, I'm probably gonna get some backlash for this because uh, he he put up monster numbers. What I always say, James, men, men lie, lie, women, women lie. lie. The numbers, the numbers don't. But uh, to me, to me, I just, I, I think when you have a guy at Rick's age back there, I think that uh, he's a sitting duck. It just, it just allows for defensive coordinators to do so much more uh, when you know the quarterback can't move. And for that reason, I, I think that uh, I can't, I can't put them that high. I, I think that uh, they're dangerous, but I don't put them in the upper echelon of, of the teams in the league. Uh, but my will go to my number one team in the league, and that's the Calgary Stampeders. And and uh, you know, it, it goes back to what you just said, James. In order to in order to beat the man, you got to beat the man. And the Calgary Stampeders were the best team in the league last year. We know what happened on Great Cup Sunday. The Toronto Argonauts ultimately won that game, but there is no doubt no doubt about that the Calgary Stampeders were the best team uh, on the field that day. They were the best team in the league that year, and uh, the, the the things they have done to get younger to get faster um, and and to keep building that roster that that to me um, tells me that the the, the Calgary Stampeders are still uh, the best team in this league and uh, talent talent wise so and I, I'm not one that believes you know they've lost two in a row they lost two breakups in a row games they should have won and uh, that's heartbreaking this I've, I've lost in I mean I think I lost three or four breakups in my career and it's it's heartbreaking but to lose when you're such a huge favorite that's stuff that that it's tough to get over and we thought that last year how are they gonna possibly be able to come in day in day out and, and still play with energy and still because when when all you're looking at is that final game you got to go six months of games that don't even matter mm-hmm. to get back just to get back to have an opportunity to right that wrong uh, for that reason uh, we, we didn't believe in them last year but they did it there's been an overhaul on this team now, though. A lot of the older guys are gone. It's it's a different. There's different leaders on this team, and they are the most talented team in the league. With, you know, one A and one B of the top quarterbacks in the league, and Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell. So, the Calgary Stampeders, to me, uh, Dave Dickinson is as sharp as they come. 
adding that with all this young talent, I got the stamps still up top in the CFL's West and in the Canadian Football League. Well, uh, like I said, uh, like I said earlier, and I, I, I had the stamps at four. You had the Argos uh, at six. Um, I just think that it's a huge leadership void, and maybe the talent, the young guys are ready for for their time now. And I think a lot of people seem to think that. Um, you know, until you know, you don't know, though. So we'll see what uh, we'll certainly see what comes up. But but to your point, you know, we welcome the debate and the discussion. And as always, you can find us at the waggle at cfl.ca via email, the, the waggle at cfl.ca. Or you can find Chez on Twitter at Davis Michael Sanchez. No, I'm at Davis. <laughs> I'm at Sanchez Davis, too. I told you I'm I told you I'm dry I'm driving right now. This is pretty good that uh that I haven't run into ran over anybody or uh, gotten any tickets or anything like that. I'm recording waggles. I'm uh, I'm I'm picking up uh you know, taking care of family stuff on the road. This is pretty good. It's uh it's been pretty good yeah. to uh to be safe and still get our message across. I apologize to any of our listeners if I uh if I seem a little bit uh, distracted today, but uh my uh there was uh, some. I had some medical situations this morning uh, that had to be taken care of, so we didn't get to do our usual uh, time slots. Isn't that right, Seaball? You're, you're okay, though. I'm good. Yeah. Right, Thank buddy. you for asking. I am. I am one of not not any bad, not any not anything anything bad. Just some checkups and some situations I had to get taken care of. I am a. Uh, they, I've got a, cl- a clean. A clean. That's right. Maintenance. I got a clean bill of health. And thank you for asking. And and. Uh, uh, as the, I'll do something different today. I'll wish uh, all of our listeners um, wish you all the best health. Uh, that's what's uh, that's what is most important. And sometimes we forget in the hustle and bustle of life, we forget what's most important is uh, our family and our health. And and uh, so to all anyone going through health issues, I wish you the best of luck and uh, best wishes. And uh, and those of you who aren't, uh, don't take it for granted. Get up and all the pressure every day and be happy to be alive and healthy because if you don't have your health you don't have anything as the old saying goes uh sanchez davis 2 is where you can find him on twitter you can find me at james sabalski and the waggle at cfl.ca the waggle at cfl.ca is where we welcome your comments and discussion points or rants if you will to tell us just how amazing our power rankings edition of the waggle is Dwayne ford cfl analyst for tsn joins us in moments thanks for hanging chaz hey buddy and Dwayne ford joins us next Well, in some cases, Davis Sanchez would say he is pleased to be joined by. In this case, it'll be a silent process on my part. I'm just kind of, I don't know, lukewarm at best for this guest. But uh, TSN football analyst, the one, the only, Dwayne Ford. Mr. Ford, uh, welcome back, kind of. Yeah, I'd uh, like to thank you, Davis, for having me, and we'll just we'll tolerate the other guy today wow <laughs> wow that's, that's, uh, i gotta so go that's so i gotta go guys <laughs> too, too, too much too much history too much history yeah no water always always good to talk to you guys nice to talk thanks for doing this by the way um so look i mean the off season's kind of settled down here a little bit in terms of 
we've seen the teams kind of make their moves and is there is there a team that kind of stands out right from the get-go that kind of did themselves the most favors this offseason for you uh you know the one that probably uh stood out for me in terms of just some of the stuff that they got done early even leading into the uh leading into the process was ottawa when you kind of looked at the market and you know obviously this is a league as we'll talk about the draft later but a league that you know so often there's so much value in canadian offensive linemen and young guys um you know dynamic receivers and so on the the thing that i liked with ottawa wasn't even so much going out and getting guys from other teams but when you look at some of the free agents they had that they were uh they were able to make sure that they got um guys like nolan mcmillan the young offensive lineman deontay spencer who you know, over the last couple of years has really, uh, has really established himself as a CFL star. The fact that they were able to, to get go- both of those guys looked after, guys who have become real core guys for them, and then be able to try and, and build and add a, f- a few parts. You know, we get caught up so often in the guys who are changing teams in free agency that sometimes a team re-signing their, their own free agent, because it's, you know, it's not sexy, it doesn't get a lot of attention, but um, but those to me were were a couple of very important moves that uh, that I thought helped that team significantly. Are you are you trying to are, are you trying to figure out what Ottawa is all about? And this is one of those things I feel like for a while where okay they got a great cup in 2016, but they've essentially been by and large the last two seasons a 500 team here. Yeah, I think for a lot of people it's it's a matter of trying to figure out the identity of Ottawa as a team. And you know we've we've talked about it so often, guys that. Teams frequently, and when you talk about football, are going to take their cues from their head coach and their quarterback. And when I look at, at Ottawa specifically, I think for a lot of people, it's also trying to figure out exactly what Trevor Harris is. This is a guy who, as yeah. a starter, has always put up very good numbers in terms of you know number of touchdown passes, the yards that he accumulates, and so on. But it doesn't necessarily seem to translate when you look at the at the win loss record for Trevor Harris. And, and so it, it almost goes along with this team in terms of really trying to figure out who they are and put a label on them. Yeah, why is that that Trevor Harris, as a guy who puts up huge numbers con- consistently, still you never hear his name. When you talk about the elite quarterback in the league, you never hear Trevor Harris's name. Yet a guy can uh, yeah, have a subpar regular season, have two good games, and now all of a sudden he's elite. It's, it's, uh, it's strange how that happens. But back to Ottawa, I think I have a – when you look at Ottawa and the moves they made, and I'm with you, Dwayne, the sexy moves are not always um, the, the the sexy moves that we, the public, see the sexy moves are not always the ones that make teams better going out. Because we said it last week, and who said it on our show last week, Dwayne or James, that in in free agency you overpay for other guys' players. It, that's that's basically what it what it always is. But when you get you know when you get your guys re-signed. Uh, I think you're a step ahead of the game, and that's why I had Calgary as the number one team um, coming out of of free agency. And you look at what Calgary did; they didn't sign, they almost signed nobody. But that's it, just what you say. That's why I think they did so good getting their young guys re-signed. And for in Ottawa's sake, getting guys like Kyrie Saber over there, and Julian Fioli Godino, another guy, Lucia Perfoy, guys who have been around a few years. Mm-hmm. And especially the older guy in, in Kyrie, if you can get guys that are not two, three years, uh, don't have two, three years left, but may have one good year, and they feel like they've been spurned from another team, those guys are are good rent rental players, and that's kind of what I see in in 
A. Bear, who was probably there, and him and A.C. Leonard are probably their two biggest signees and Rico Murray, but guys you can get mm-hmm. for a year. But what is the long term? When you look at Otto over the long term, are they building to get better? Are they are they better in the next three, four years of because of the moves they made? I don't think they got better. Maybe for the next six months, but I don't think they got better building that team. Yeah, and I, I think that that's uh, I think that's fair to say. I you know I look at Nolan McMillan as as obviously a guy who's long term. Deontay Spencer is a guy who went there on a one year contract, and you're able to extend them for for a longer period. So I think in that sense, there is the the building aspect. I think sometimes, you know, there are I think particularly teams in the East. The West has been a little bit better. I think in terms of those long-term builds and um, you know, I mean, Calgary, an interesting off season for Calgary, right? Because you talk about the, the young guys that they were able to resign and getting those guys secured, but it also, it came at a price and, and you recognize that you have to pay a price and you have to make tough decisions, but letting some veteran guys walk in Calgary is uh, you know, it was a fascinating thing to kind of see a team that has been so good in the regular season, the last couple of years, but unable to win a gray cup and basically go, well, we, you know, you, you often see a, okay, a team will win that Grey Cup and go, okay, we got what we what we wanted out of these veteran guys. Now it's time to move on. You look at Calgary and you go, did they really get what they wanted with a core that included Charleston Hughes, um, Mark Way McDaniel, even Jerome Messam? That you, you kind of go, mm, great regular season, no Grey Cups, and you know, and now it's kind of time to maybe take a half step back. Obviously, still. A, a very very good team they're replacing all of those guys with very good players this is a team that's done a good job of uh, of building its depth but it's just kind of kind of interesting to see when um they were unable to win with those guys that those are some pretty big names to be leaving town from uh from one team and yet we're still saying this is a team that's had a successful offseason and I, I do agree with you on that well I, you know i mean in the same vein though i mean i guess all those regular season players might fit in well with trevor harris then right I, I i mean i say that in jest partially but you know the one thing i go back to this 40 and i look at where exactly like you said where a lot of people are given the big thumbs up for the stamps to still be you know one of the elite teams and you know, the CFL.ca's got their power rankings right now, and they got the stamps way up there. I don't have Calgary up there for the simple reason that, you know, even if you can check the boxes on some of these offseason moves that they've made, to me, if you're taking out the likes of Messam, McDaniel, Hughes, Cote, Bell, Campbell, I mean, that's a half dozen key, you know, all-star caliber players or somewhere in that mix and that's a huge leadership void that you're taking out that all of a sudden everybody's saying, hey, you know what, you know, you, you protected your own, you kept the young guys, and I get that there's a transitional time for an organization, but to take that many big-time players off your roster and still be seen as as an elite as or as the team to beat, I just don't see it. I just don't see it that way for Calgary. And they may prove me wrong, but I just can't see it based on those losses right now for the team. I think when you're when you're Calgary, you're, you look at maybe some growing pains, but you also look at some other guys stepping into to fill that leadership void. And, it, and sometimes it does take time, right? I mean, it, it's not like you can really go out and appoint leaders. You, you have to look to guys to, to sort of emerge over time, maybe figure out new roles with some of those other veteran guys gone. But again, the, the fact is, with the guys they had, ultimately when it counted in the big games, they didn't get it done. 
And, you know, I'm sure that that's, that's part of the decision for this team. But yep. again, to be fair, this is a team that has done as good a job as anybody in terms of building depth at like throughout their roster to be able to withstand injuries and so on, or to get into a situation like this where they're, they're letting some veteran guys move on and still be, still be in pretty good stead. You know, like when you still have, Jagarrett Davis and you still have Micah Johnson and you have presumably a healthy Cordero law, you might be the one team in the league that can kind of shrug its shoulders at losing Charleston Hughes. You know, I would contend that you've got a guy in Alex Singleton who has become the leader of that defense. And again, so you can, you know, you can afford a little bit to, to let a Charleston Hughes move on because you've got some guys ready to, to step in and fill the void in terms of Jerome Messam starting a, a Canadian at running back. You know, they've had the depth that they have at times, and you look at Singleton on the other side of the ball, they've been able to start more than the, the required seven Canadians that they have the flexibility that they can go out and play an American at running back if they want that, you know, they can, they can hopefully replace some of that production a little bit more easily than, than another team might if you're looking at, uh, at a Canadian at running back. Um, Mark Way McDaniel, you could argue that this means a bigger role for Kamar Jordan, who had a breakout year. Are you working for the stamps here for, right now? Are you working for, for the stamps? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not working for the stamps <laughs> at all. But I mean, there's, you know, I'm just. I'm just pointing out. Yeah. You know, I mean, anybody in the CFL will tell you, right? This is a team that's done a good job of of building depth, and so it's a, a unique situation when you talk about them taking a step back sure. and losing some veteran guys. I think you'll see that step back early in the season as there are growing pains and people are adjusting to new roles. But in terms of talent, I think the Stampeders are, are just fine. They're in pretty good stead. Dwayne, to add, just to add to what you're saying, and I've been, this is one of the reasons why I've been uh, clapping my hands and, and uh, singing the praise of what the Stamps have done in the offseason. I see the same way. If you look at these young guys, yes, you lose, you lose guys like Charleston Hughes who have been the leaders of that team for so long. Uh, Josh Bell's the same. Mark Quay McDaniel. Mm-hmm. There's been nobody that's been more clutch over the last five years than Mark Webb McDaniel. But the reality is, and, and you'll know this, the jump between your second and third year or your first and second year or just the offseason, the jump between the offseason of your first full year as a starter or when you play in a big game, that next season when you come in and you know what it's like, the game slows down for you, Dwayne. You, big time. You can, you can attest to this. But how many guys, look at this roster. How many guys in this roster who are now going to be asked to play a bigger role? That that leap year for them is right now. So it's young guys, but all guys who have played in great cups, played in Western Finals, played in big games, and now they're all – and they contributed last year, put up numbers when they were out there. Now they're a year older and the game's going to slow down for them. I think getting those guys – getting those guys playing more reps and being the mainstays of your team, you, get, you gain more from that than you lose by losing the likes of – Marquay and Charleston and Jerome, guys who are a little bit older who may have lost a step. The old Wally saying, get rid of guys a year early, better a year early than a year late. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I think when you look at the, the departures from Calgary, probably the, the one that doesn't fit with, with what their offseason plan clearly was is losing Shaquille Richardson, a guy who signs in the NFL. Like, I mean, this is a guy who – kind of exactly fits the mold, Davis, of, of what you're saying, right? Guys who have been around for a couple of years and now are really really starting to step up. Step up. That, you know, that's the loss probably for Calgary that, uh, that they look at and most go, 
yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's that hurts. That hurts. That hurts. Yeah, yeah, different situations. Yeah. Uh, which quarterback depth do you like better uh, going into the season uh, in Regina with Zach Caleros and Brandon Bridge, or with the defending Grey Cup champions in Ricky Ray and one James Franklin? Uh, this is a, a very intriguing question for me. I, you know, I think right now um, you would have to say you'd have to say Toronto. Yeah, and simply because. You look at the way that Mark Tressman operated with his offense in Montreal, and the, the big concern for Ricky Ray, as he's gotten later in his career, has been durability. Virtually every year that he was in Toronto, he missed significant time due to injury until last year. And, you know, Mark Tressman, much like he did with Anthony Calvillo, made it absolutely no question, job one offensively, to make sure you protect your quarterback. And Keep so Ricky clean. Keep that's clean. it. That's it. And so, you know, when you can bank a little bit more on, on a healthy Ricky Ray, and then you add as good an insurance policy as Toronto has had since Zach Kolaris and Trevor Harris left town behind Ricky Ray with, with James Franklin, a guy who's on the rise, but on the rise, having already shown us something, um, I think that puts Toronto in a pretty good place. Um, I think the the question marks in Saskatchewan, obviously, are with Zach coming off what was obviously a tough year for him, um, you know, basically sitting the second half of the year, uh, struggling to win the first half of the year, and that was coming off a couple of injury-plagued seasons. We know that healthy, Zach Kolaris is as good as anyone at any position in the Canadian Football League, but that remains a question mark going into the season. Um, Brandon Bridge, definitely a, a guy that I, I think everybody in the Canadian Football League pulls for a, a, to a certain extent, and a guy who established himself last year as a legit CFL quarterback. But you still want to see more, I think, in, until you give uh, give a, the full on stamp of approval. But you know, obviously, both teams have reason to be optimistic about where they're at at, at the quarterback spot. I just think right now, um, going into the season, knowing what the teams systems are and, and so on I think that Toronto would be maybe be a little more confident or a little more sure going into the season than Saskatchewan would when you Toronto done enough go ahead Jay. no I was just I was just going to say the uh it's almost like Christmas in uh March right now for you with the with the with the combine looming here in the next little while and you've got the draft and I mean Nobody scours Canadian talent. And I'm sorry, with all due respect to every CFL executive out there and personnel director, nobody, nobody finds Canadian talent like our guest at this time. Um, what, uh, what, is there anything that jumps out for you as, as you're looking at this combine looming here and with the draft just around the corner? So, so, you're, so you're willing to say all these guys making all these hundreds of thousands of dollars being paid by owners and paid by GMs to go all across the country, all across the world, spend all their time looking for talent. Nobody does it like the guy that sits on TSM with that fancy suit on and coaches his son's hockey for the other half of the year. You're willing to say that no one else does it like him. Chez, I, I keep it 100, and I, uh, that is exactly what I'm saying, <laughs> my friend. 
oh, he's gonna get you in trouble. I don't even know if I want that endorsement for you. I was gonna say, have you met my new agent, James Sabolski? <laughs> <laughs> your 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 four percent is in the mail, buddy. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. I needed that. My my other employer might fire me for uh, for for pumping your tires like this, but you know. <laughs> you do a good job, Dwayne. I might not go that far, Dwayne, but you do you do a great job. Yeah, no, I give full credit to the guys that, that do this on a, a full-time basis and, and put in the, the hours and the miles. But this it's, is uh, a pat. but this is know. like, but, but for a second, Dwayne, here, just to, uh, just to kind of lift the curtain on this, this is something that even before you were doing this, you were doing this. Like, this was like a hobby, essentially, yeah. for you, looking for finding guys well, who yeah, qualify. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a part change. of the game about which, which I'm passionate. I mean, I've been... You know, I've been very transparent about it before. I mean, ever since I was a kid, like I've I've joked about being a draft junkie. It's not just it's not just the CFL. It's I'm intrigued by by drafts in any sport, right? I mean, this is this is the way that teams are are built, and to you know, not just to prepare for for a given draft and and look at who's available and who's getting them and who's maneuvering around to get certain guys and why, but you know, I wanted to great exercises I, I often find in drafts and again not just CFL drafts but drafts in any sport is to look back a couple of years down the road to, to really see okay who got it right and who got it wrong well there you go so okay what are you looking for what do you see in this class is this a is this a deep draft we're looking at this year uh, looming yeah I kind of like this class and you know we say all the time that um Offensive linemen are to the CFL draft what quarterbacks are to the NFL draft. They're the marquee guys, you know, and I've maintained for years that one of your, one of your best early indicators of the strength of a draft class is if you look at the number of division one NCAA division one offensive linemen and combine that as well with obviously the quality of the U sports offensive linemen who are available you know, that's, that's going to be your indicator. And so when, you know, you take a look at the, the last round of rankings and even, even early on, like, I mean, as you know, I mean, I start tracking these classes when these guys are coming out of high school, I try and track them from the time these guys are in recruiting classes and see where they're rated then and so on. Um, a number of very highly regarded offensive linemen in this class. And that's, that's the thing that kind of, kind of gets you excited. You know, I mean, we, we talked about it in the free agency piece and the importance for Ottawa in signing Nolan McMillan. If you can get good young Canadian offensive linemen who project as, as starters, um, that's a big thing. And I think that there, there are definitely some of those guys in this draft. That's David Neville and Trey Rutherford, Rutherford, both guys who are, they won't be participating at the combine. These are the number one and two guys right now. Also, Mm -hmm. Uh, Ryan Hunter from Bowling Green. All three of those guys, the top three guys right now in in the rankings, but they will not be participating in the combine. Are those NFL guys early on in their career in your eyes, uh, Dwayne? Well, I think they're 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 guys who are certainly going to get a look, and that's you know that's the big reason, obviously, why they won't be participating at the CFL combine. Um, as to whether or not they'll end up playing down there on practice rosters down there this year. Certainly remains to be seen. A little bit of that will uh, will depend, you know, on on pro days and other workouts leading up to the NFL draft. But uh, but I think when you you look at at this group as a whole, um, you know, definitely some intriguing guys on playing on both sides of the border. 
you know, I mean, there's there's that top group, Neville, Rutherford, Ryan Hunter, um, Peter Dodber at Rice. Like, I mean, these are guys who have started a significant number of games at that level. But, you know, I one of the guys I'm excited to see is Darius Sirocco at the University of Calgary as well, another guy who has, who has made his way into that top group of offensive linemen. We know University of Calgary has, has done a terrific job in terms of producing guys at that position. This is, again, one of those guys who when you look back, four years, five years to when these guys were high school recruits or college recruits coming out of high school. Sirocco, a very, very highly regarded guy, and I'm, I'm curious to see how he projects at the next level as well. Love to get your thoughts on this, and I'm not sure you've, you've thought about it yet or went, or I'm just going crazy here, but I'm seeing a shift, and, and James, I've mentioned it to you before, but a shift in, in the amount of talent that's it's been over a decade now, I'd say, where it's just – now there's an abundance of Canadian talent just because all the guys going down south. Now many more players are coming back, and, and, and there's a lot of talent. But the issue is every year now teams are drafting so many good good players that there's not spots anymore. So last, you know, 10 years ago, if you get a first, second, or third-round pick in the Canadian combine, that kid was going to play. You knew he was going to be a player on your team. And now there's been a shift a little bit. Look at last year, the year before, some of these guys who were – first second round pick i mean this year i think only one of the first round picks even got a sniff and i think tell me if i'm wrong here but is this uh, the players aren't getting worse it, to me it's because now the young canadians that were drafted the, two years before that three years before that there's so many of them now and the roster is so small these canadian spots there's not many that it's tough for even the first and second round picks now to, uh, to get to get a spot in the roster well i i feel almost davis like it, there's been a little bit of uh a log jam created because there's there's almost less focus on development than there used to be. And, you know, I'll, I'll use as an example, like, I mean, going back to, to when I came in the league, I came into the league as a first round pick in 1991. So and the talent was thin. At that man. time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, oh, I couldn't resist. I couldn't uh, resist. Sorry. You know, but I mean, at, at that time, you were drafting guys and really investing long term in those players. And it wasn't about, you know, if a guy was a first round pick, you weren't concerned if, if that player wasn't on the roster for his first year, you know, because you were he was practicing and he was developing and being coached and kind of learning in the environment. You were kind of looking at what that guy was going to be long term. And I, I think as we've kind of hit what I'll call the, the generation of instant gratification where, you know, players almost kind of demand to play right away and want to play right away or else they're, they're going somewhere else or they're not going to be there. And, you know, with, from a coaching point of view, I find that there tends to be a little bit more movement as well, whether by, by choice or by management's choice that coaches are kind of about, right now what gives me the best chance to win right now i'm not worried about picking the player who's going to give me the best chance to win in three years because i might not be here in three years and so i I kind of find in that way that there's been uh, a mentality of almost kind of rushing guys onto rosters and at a certain point now that you can only do that for so many years before as you say you you almost kind of run out of space to to accommodate all of them Develop a third or fourth round pick, but, but don't develop a one. If you, if these nine teams, GMs, can't find 
one guy, especially the first first five picks of the draft. You can't find one guy in the whole country that's eligible for the draft that can come play for your team in year one. I don't think you've done your job. Yeah, but see, I, I look at it a little bit differently in that I want to get my, my roster to a point. I mean, let's, let's be realistic about what the CFL draft is relative to the NFL draft. You know, like, I mean, I, I would argue that the CFL draft is probably more like the NHL draft, age of the players aside, where, you know, how many guys typically in a draft do you expect to, to step in and have an impact as rookies? And I, so I, I tend to think the opposite way, that if, if your roster is such that, you know, you're, you're looking – like that you need your first round pick to play right away, then then you haven't done your job leading up to this, this year. I see. I, I could agree with that. I could agree with that. I just, I, I'm talking about the first round picks and it makes sense in this, in this with a small, with a small roster and with all the, you know, the abundance of players and the building of the draft. I, I agree with you in that, in that regard, I guess that, that guys would, your team should be stacked with Canadians that you developed enough to where you don't need a guy to come in and play right away. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what you're hoping for from, from a couple of points of view, right? I mean, from yeah. the state of your roster, obviously you don't want to be in a position where you're forced to throw a, a young Canadian guy to the wolves. But, um, but the other part of it as well is just from, from, from a salary cap point of view, right? That, you know, player development has to be a sig- significant part of your structure. In, I believe in any league where you're where you're operating with a cap that you need to, you know, obviously you need to scout and recruit and draft well, but you also need to develop well, and then you need to retain your guys. And here's the one thing that we're not mentioning that you know, I know, and everybody else knows, and that's what makes the CFL Combine and the CFL Draft so special, is that if you could take every Canadian-born player, everyone who's considered a national player, and you could draft them with that pick, and your top 10, 15 guys weren't going to go to the National Football League, then mm-hmm. for darn certain you could find a guy that you could come in and you could pluck on your roster and he would play day one. That's yeah, Because I mean, I... you're getting guys who are not good enough to get to NFL camp, but they're good enough, but they're, but they're in the first round. So you're not really the best players in Canada, the best that the NFL doesn't want. The, the so best that will be available. That's right. So that's, that's yeah. the reason why it's hard to find a guy who will come in and play on day one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I'm, I'm sure that, you know, the three of us have talked about it in the past, right? This is, this is about the most unique draft you'll, you will find in the world of pro sports because of all the factors influencing it. And again, like I've, I've long maintained that you could take, you could look at 30 teams, 30 NFL teams, draft boards, you know, and kind of how they, how they rank, say the top 50 guys. And, there may be variety based on what a team's positional needs are, but in terms of who they say the best 50 guys are, you know, or even just call it the best, best 30 guys. If you're at polling 30 teams, you would find less variation between 30 NFL teams than you would find between the draft boards of nine CFL teams. You know, like you'll have one team's board in the CFL where they have a guy rated in their top five that if I'm picking at five and this guy's still on the board, I'm taking them. Whereas you'd look at another team's board and they wouldn't have that guy in the first three rounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One doesn't. Yeah. Have, it's just one, because there are just so many other factors, right? Like in terms of when you look at the ratio and, and now you're not just factoring in best at his position, but if, if a team doesn't 
start a Canadian at that position, then that, you know, that so drastically affects what a guy's draft stock is. Whereas, you know, to me in the NFL, if, you know, whether you need a quarterback or not, if, if there's a tremendous quarterback available and you're picking, you know, in the second round and he's by far the highest guy on your board, even though you don't need a guy at that position, you're going to take him. Whereas in, in the CFL, if you don't need him, if he doesn't fit, you're not going to take him. So. Uh, nine of the top 20 prospects on the uh, during the winter scouter, scouting bureau rankings had offensive linemen listed in that top 20. Uh, the top four are all listed as offensive linemen. You kind of touched on this uh, when we kind of got into this a little bit, but do you do you subscribe to that much depth being there at the offensive line position this year? Yeah, I, I do think it is it is legit in this class relative to the class. Like as yeah. I said, um, you know, guys like Neville Rutherford, Hunter, you know, Godber, Sirocco, you know, all of these guys. Even when you look at the the other um, some of the other CIS kids. Um, Cordy and and uh, CBR as well at University of Calgary. Like these are all guys. If you go back and and look at any kind of recruiting information from four and five years ago when these guys were coming out of high school, these were high end guys at at that time, and they've kind of done what they were supposed to do at the college level, whether in Canada or or in the U.S. And so, you know, I don't think that it's uh, it's necessarily inflated rankings or people just being put in certain spots. You know, I mean, the I, you guys know I don't put a lot of faith in the, the draft rankings because the guys haven't really been evaluated yet, right? The, the rankings are, are a bit of a... <laughs> call them they go a, on a fiction, fiction, yeah. Yeah, fictional creation, right? For, uh, you know, to create some discussion and to, to create some attention mm-hmm. around the draft and around the combine. Um you know, it, it doesn't mean much at this point. It's just like, you know, I kind of chuckled when you mentioned the, the power rankings earlier because and this, this is why we play the games, right? That, those are the only rankings that matter is, uh, is what you actually do on the field. Well, we need stuff to talk about every week on the po- on the podcast. So this is this is why we need. <laughs> hey, it, okay? I, I get it. I get it. it it's, it's what we don't all get six months employed. off a year. Okay, Ford. <laughs> I, I wish I got six months off a year. Uh, hey, listen. Uh, thanks for thanks for taking the time, man. It's uh, you know what uh, time flies when you're having fun, and uh, it's it's great to always talk football with you because. Uh, I think I speak for Chez. Well, actually, I don't want to speak for Chez, but I love hearing your perspective of the game, and especially at this time of the year. Um, no, it's great, especially with your passion with the draft and all that. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Looking forward to catching up in Winnipeg, pal. Hey, likewise, always enjoy uh, chatting with you guys, whether in person or uh, or here on the show. And uh, you know, keep up the great work. I think that uh, the Waggle has been a great addition to the uh, the CFL scene over the last few years. So. Uh, you know, very proud of what you guys have done. I think it's fantastic. Much appreciated. Dwayne, we'll see you in Winnipeg, my friend. Looking forward to it. Dwayne Ford joining us here on The Waggle.